Welcome to the That Don't Fit podcast, a podcast where we're dedicated to talking about life and life's real issues that cross racial and generational lines. My name is Jared Torrance, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Farmer. We're friends, we're pastors, we're wanting to help people talk and process life in a crazy world. Welcome to the conversation. Okay. <laughs> I just, I like the, I like the I know, clap. you need something like this. You're clapping yourself. Okay, ready? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm, oh, okay. There it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of That Don't Fit. Um, we are, we had this idea to talk about lesser known black inventors and uh or artists in or, or art oh see it is always <laughs> he's always switching up the content or artists in, in his case right. um so but you know it is black history month and it is uh there's just so much information that we don't have like there's so many stories that aren't being told regularly and uh i love the whole thing like black history is like american history and so these are uh accomplishments and things that we're looking at that are just uh, amazing! This the story that I've got that I'm uh, going to share. I'm really excited about. I'll so basically, what's happening is you're going to yeah. share about a guy. Yeah, I'm going to freak out about him. Yeah, and then I'm going to freak out about a guy. Yeah, and the whole idea is, we just love there. There are incredible people yeah. that, by and large, you don't hear much about mm-hmm. because history isn't usually written about them. Right. And we just want to kind of bring some of those to light, just to, yes. for everybody. Yeah. That we can all appreciate. You know, these are these are Americans. These are. These are folks we should be proud of. Yes, absolutely. So so two things real quick I'm going to do is I'm going to give a shout out to the guy who I'm not covering right now, uh, who who is Yasuke, the African samurai. So that's a story I didn't have time to fully get all the information on, but it was incredibly interesting. He's like this, he's an African samurai that moved to Japan and rose up the ranks in Nobunaga's army and became the super bad dude that just like, was Nobunaga's most trusted man. Um, I, I believe they're making a movie about him. Uh, they actually had one in production, and Chadwick Boseman was going to play uh, Yasuke, which would have been so amazing. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see kind of it, what, what that looks like or what they'll do. But that's another name to look up, Yasuke, Y-A-S-U-K-E, the African Samurai. Um, but that's not who I'm talking about today. Okay. Um, and then second shout out is actually uh, Marty Machowski brought this guy uh, to my mind, um, to my attention, because Marty knows about things like this. Yeah, uh, that's just kind of what he does. Um, so, I'm going to talk to you guys about Vivian Thomas. <laughs> it's it's an incredible story about he's a, he's a guy who grew up in I believe he grew up in in Nashville. Tell me what when did he live approximately? Mm. Give some idea. Nineteen. Uh, 19- 20s through like the 1960s, I think yeah, is, so, is what we're yeah. what we're looking at here. Yeah, yeah. So his his main work was done like he started his work in the medical field around 1940. So, so right, World War II time. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So the Great Depression is is yeah, huge yeah, in, yeah, in yep, his yep. story as well. So uh, Vivian Thomas, he grew up kind of in Nashville area, I believe. He uh, is the guy who helped create heart surgery. Hmm. Um, so without him, heart surgery is not a thing that doctors practice. It's, it says, uh, so this article that kind of like exposed his story is called uh, Like Something the Lord Made. 
And the subtitle is Vivian Thomas never went to college, but he had a genius, a stunning dexterity. He might have been a great surgeon. Instead, he became a legend. And so it's the remarkable story of Vivian Thomas, the black man who helped invent heart surgery. So his story is he grew up a carpenter. And so he was was very good with his hands. He worked incredibly hard, ha- always had an interest of, of going into medical school. But um, given him as a black man growing up in the, in the 40s, that is, uh, it was something that was kind of far away, as a far away goal. But he was saving his money over the years and, and looking to do that. And uh, so he, he was saving his money in a bank and wanting to go off to medical school. But he, he just graduated high school. And uh, then the Great Depression hit and... He's just like, okay, I just need to get a job. Like, I'm not going to be able to afford school. There's not going to be any jobs available, this kind of thing. And so he actually had to put his dreams of becoming a doctor on hold. And um, in that time, he had a friend who had a connection with um, a guy named Dr. Blaylock. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) so he went to go be Blaylock's assistant, but not in any type of like like high quality way. Like, you know, he's just there to kind of clean up the lab and kind of do his bidding and just help him out. Um, but Dr. Blaylock would, uh, would see him just in his spare time, just reading. And so Vivian took the time, like he kind of saw it as an opportunity. He's like, Oh my gosh, like Dr. Blaylock is, is a, is a young doctor. Um, he's got books laying around. So in, in between Vivian's jobs of cleaning things, he would just like read and learn and learn. And because he was a carpenter, he was incredible with his hands. And uh, so they would do all these different experiments and, and practicing on on dogs. They would have these stray dogs that would come in and they perform sor- surgeries and things like that on them. And uh, and there's a there, by the way, there's a movie about this called uh, Something the Lord Made. It was like an HBO special. You can order it on Amazon hmm. Prime. Wow. And uh, it, it's a really really well done movie. Most Deaf plays Vivian Thomas, which is is pretty amazing. Wow. I didn't know Most Deaf could act. And uh, uh, who's the dude that plays the bad guy in Harry Potter? Yes, is uh, he plays uh, Dr. Blaylock. Oh, wow. So it's a great, great movie, really high quality, really well done. Um, and there's some really, really uh, beautiful scenes in that movie that are taken like directly from Vivian's uh, autobiography. Side note, his name, this is not important, I shouldn't even say this. Uh, his mom thought that she, he, she was having a girl and was too stubborn to change his name after he was born. So that's why his name's Vivian Thomas. And um, I think there had to be some kind of story <laughs> And so um, he was helping, he was assisting Dr. Blaylock. And then like the way he was able to uh, handle surgical tools was just like phenomenal. Like Dr. Blaylock immediately knew there's something special about this young man. And uh, so within days of, of working in the lab, cleaning things up, he would set up surgeries by himself and just practice on the dogs, just, mm-hmm. uh, just essentially for fun, just trying to work on different things. And uh, Dr. Blaylock was kind of this eccentric kind of guy and, really wanted to, he was kind of a maverick in the whole uh, uh, medical field because he was always kind of pushing for different kind of things and trying to figure things out. And um, he they, he ended up essentially just using Vivian as this wonderful uh, assistant, um, someone, and Dr. Black would even say that like Vivian is a better surgeon than I am. Mm. But because he never went to medical school, um, he couldn't operate on humans mm. ever. And... Uh, there was an issue that happened with the bank that uh, had all the money in savings and he just lost all of his money. Mm. So medical school was no longer an option ever. And so he had saved money for seven years. Um, The bank collapsed. There was no insurance on the bank. Mm. So all of that was just gone. Mm. And um, 
Viv, or Dr. Blaylock ended up like essentially just loving Vivian, like and loving his work ethic. And they had some, some spats and things like that. Cause uh, Blaylock would kind of raise his voice uh, pretty regularly. And Vivian, there's one time where, uh, Dr. Blaylock thought Vivian wasn't taking notes of certain things that he was doing and he had just come up with a good process. But Vivian was taking incredible notes mm. that uh, Blaylock was like, how do you even know how to write these things out? Like, just amazed with his intellect. And, uh, but before that, Blaylock exploded on him and Vivian's like, my, my father raised me to not be talked to like that. Mm. And so Vivian walked away and Blaylock is like, no, I need you. And so they continued on to like do these different kinds of surgeries and just work together. And they had a kind of friendship within the lab because uh, yeah. that's when it was allowed. And um, they were kind of, they wanted to toy with the idea of, of doing heart surgery, which is like taboo. Like it's something you don't do. You don't operate on the heart. It is, uh, that's not what we do in the medical field. And um, there was this uh, a syndrome that where like the aorta and different things would be all mixed up. And it would result in blue baby syndrome. Yeah. And so Vivian, it's, it's just insane even talking about it. Vivian would create this, he created the syndrome in the dogs. This, mm. So the dogs would turn blue so they can figure out a way. So they would create the problem so they could undo the problem. And they eventually ended up doing that on children. So they like were the first ones to open up a child's heart and operate on surgery, saving these lives. Because there were so many of these, of these children dying, oh, uh, like essentially every day because they just... The heart, you couldn't operate on it. And so, you know, as they're moving up to different um, jobs and things like that, Dr. Blaylock wouldn't go to an institution if they didn't let Vivian come with him. Mm. And so they, uh, you know, after he does like some successful surgery on this child, uh, which by the way, like <laughs> Dr. Blaylock did, would not operate unless Vivian was at his right hand, yeah. like standing over his shoulder, coaching, coaching him through the surgery because he can't actually touch the human himself because he's not a doctor and so um and during this time you know vivian's getting more and more renowned within the within the schools he's working or within the hospital he's working and even when they went over to john hopkins um he's like he's training different people he's training these other surgeons and uh, people are just realizing there's something really special about the way vivian can use his hands and the way he's just so confident in how he's doing these surgeries and things like that but here's where it gets complicated. It's in the 40s. And so um, within the lab, they would be incredible friends, but they both understood the racial divide. Yeah. And so at the different part, and Blaylock, you know, he's getting more and more renowned. He's, you know, he's operated, um, on, he's done the first successful heart surgery on the baby. They did a lot of, um, they also created shock treatment. So a lot of World War II soldiers were saved because of the work that mm -hmm. Vivian and Blaylock did together with shock therapy mm -hmm. and uh, saving hundreds and hundreds of soldiers' lives. And so they're throwing these giant parties for Blaylock and uh, Vivian is a bartender mm. there because that's the only way he's kind of allowed in there. He's not allowed to kind oh. of mix with the people there. And so, you know, it puts him in the awkward situation where he's serving drinks to people he's teaching how to do surgery earlier yeah. in that day. And so he worked there for about uh, seven or eight years or something like that. And um, he found out that his payroll, even though he was doing the work of postdoctorate work, uh, he was listed as a janitor. Mm. And so um, he's teaching these doctors how to do surgery on a janitor's payroll. And he had a wife and two kids at the time. And she's struggling because when they, they moved from Nashville I think to like Maryland. So I think mm -hmm. they moved somewhere to the East Coast. So the cost of living skyrocketed. And so uh, there's even a scene in the movie where 
Dr. Blaylock visits Vivian at his home for the first time. And, you know, Blaylock leaves his mansion and comes to Vivian's apartment. Um, mm-hmm. That's just run down, barely lit. And just looking at his uh, living conditions. And um, yeah, and it's just sad. And, you know, and there was a moment where where Vivian was like, I'm not I'm not going to do this. Like and and Vivian had to get another job um, so that he could pay rent mm. because, you know, he's on a janitor's payroll. And um, he's working so hard in the lab that he was missing the odd jobs he was doing to be able to pay his rent. And um, but that ended up getting worked out. Blaylock actually did go and like fight for Vivian to get a substantial raise, which happened. And uh, the the crazy thing is, is that once they uh, this question, so so Blaylock didn't know that. Yeah, Blaylock did not know he was on Janitor's payroll. Yeah, which and is then, interesting because you know, did they? Yeah, you're saying, did they ever talk about it? Or right. Was it all business? Exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. And, um, and you know, and then there's something they did wonderfully in the movie is they, they would have these scenes of them, you know, they would smoke cigars and drink in the, in, the, uh, in the laboratory after hours and just kind of work on ideas and brainstorm things. And then, you know, there'd be another party and Vivian kind of disappears to the background. Yeah. And there was another, there's a lady doctor, I think her name was Hannah Tuseg, something like that. Um, who uh, actually initiated the like we're gonna do this like heart surgery um, operation, and um, so that was kind of the the groundbreaking thing that happened. Uh, I forgot to introduce her earlier in the story. So they do this big surgery. It's a giant success. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Everyone is freaking out. They're like, oh my goodness, all these babies are gonna get saved. I can't mm-hmm. believe it. And um, Blaylock gave no credit to Vivian Thomas. Mm-hmm. At any of the speeches that Blaylock gave, even in the photo where all the doctors were commemorated for their um, what they've just done for the medical field, which is invent heart surgery. Yeah. Uh, Vivian's standing on the stairs watching the picture get taken. Mm. And uh, yeah, and <laughs> you know, and you just you just see like the 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 pain that's there in Blaylock could not have done this without like without Vivian. Yeah. Blaylock wouldn't Blaylock turned down several jobs um because they wouldn't take Vivian with him. Yeah. And then after after this kind of happened and uh they kind of had a falling out and um uh, Vivian ended up working some odd jobs again. <laughs> Uh, no longer really in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of turned into like a, like a traveling kind of salesman trying to sell different medical medicines and, and, and things like that for quite some time before um, kind of coming back to John Hopkins and um, taking kind of taking back his old job. And so there's like a, it feels like a loss of dignity there that mm-hmm. happened with him as well. And then Blaylock eventually, I think Blaylock moved on and took a different job and, Blaylock, as he was aging, had a hard time just kind of letting all these new, younger surgeons and things uh, to kind of take over the the hospital they're at. And um, well, well, so this is where the cool, where the cool thing happened because you know Vivian during his time at Johns Hopkins, he would he was essentially just discipling younger younger doctors and, yeah. and teaching them how to do things. And so he had like a, an amount of respect there. So Blaylock's out of the picture now. Um, people know who Vivian is. Uh, Vivian also started doing a lot of vet, uh, veterinary work, 
so working on a lot of animals because he's like essentially a master <laughs> at doing <laughs> at doing surgeries on animals and things like that. So he's got he's well renowned there, and then well renowned in the medical field as well. Still not a doctor, still not um, still hasn't operated on a human yet. And uh, what 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 the cool thing was is that his students as they aged wanted to recognize all that he'd done for the hospital mm-hmm. and all that he'd done for the medical field because Blaylock did not give him any credit uh, for what he did. And so uh, the students got together and surprised Vivian um, by giving him in, uh, an honorary doctor, doctorate of laws because they couldn't give him an honorary medical doctorate for different reasons. But he, he got that. So that allowed him to teach at the school. That allowed him to get a, another pay raise. Mm. Um, and uh, they eventually uh, put together uh, a portrait to hang him on the wall. And he, his picture is actually hanging next to Dr. Blaylock's picture mm. as well. And the, the amazing thing is that Vivian's daughters uh, ended up graduating from medical school. Mm. And uh, so even like his legacy continuing on in them, them being able to accomplish something that he wasn't able to. Um, and his nephew also, like it, it just like ran, continued to run in the family. His nephew ended up being a graduate from from medical school as well. And yeah. so it's just like all these different people he was discipling and teaching uh, about uh, medicine and surgery and these different things uh, that trickled down into, um, into his own family. Yeah. And so there's kind of a bit of a like a, you know, just affirmation and just glory in, in that yeah. as well. But he, is, he, did he see them graduate? He didn't see his nephew graduate. I think I believe he saw his uh, his daughters, yeah. but but not his nephew. Wow, that's cool. And uh, so it, it really is just like <laughs> it. It's hard to like put my mind around like all the celebratory things yeah. that happened there. Um, which is it's like like I didn't know like a black person invented heart surgery sure, yeah. and um i didn't know because he didn't get credit for it um so I'm, I'm very thankful to god that the students were like no like he needs to be recognized for this and then there was a lady after uh, vivian thomas died um uh she she heard a story what was her name katie mccabe and she wrote an article called uh like something the lord made and oh th- that whole title comes from uh the first time that blaylock uh saw Vivian reversed the 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 heart condition condition in a dog. He he saw the incision. And it was so beautiful. He goes, Vivian, that looks like something the Lord made. Like it looked mm. like divine artistry on on um uh, like a, something from a creator. And so that's that's the title of the movie. That's kind of the tagline of of what he did. And it's just it's just a crazy story about mm-hmm. just perseverance and uh, hard work ethic and um. And just continuing to do good work while not getting recognized at yeah. all. Uh, it's yeah. like it's like the, the one of the greatest acts of, of humi- humility I've, I've I've seen. And the mm. movie's fantastic. Mm. And so is this article. You can look up the article um, in the show notes. So because we can do that. Because we can do that with technology. <laughs> <laughs> and a link to the movie. So I got a question for you. Yes. Um, as I listen to the story, I mean, it's compelling as an example. But I think about, uh, I think about Dr. Blaylock. Mm-hmm. And I think about li- where lines got drawn for him. Yeah. Like, some things seem to be, he's, he's clearly yeah. moving towards someone. Mm-hmm. 
across a lot of racial lines, but in some places he's drawing lines. Any, and you can't read into his motives, you can't do anything, mm-hmm. but as you listen to that part of the story, as you engage that part of the story, how does that affect you? How does that resonate with you in terms of, okay, well, this guy, was he, Yeah. was he good? Was he bad? Was he, you know, how do you interpret that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, it's complicated. Yeah. It really is because, you know, he did do a lot of things and did advocate for Vivian a lot. Yeah. But then it seemed to the points where it mattered almost the most. He wouldn't, yeah. Just be like, oh, actually, I, I want him. I want him here. Yeah. Um, he would take kind of the, the alley-oops from him. You know, there was a box that he would set next to him while he was doing his surgeries that he would always have Vivian stand stand there and coach him through the surgery. Yeah. Until he was able to do it uh, with without Vivian, which took a long time. Yeah. A very, very long time. And, uh, you know, even the way their story ends... Um, Blaylock ended up getting cancer and uh, their very last interaction was Vivian pushing Blaylock in a wheelchair um, asking him to to go on to this different job with him and Vivian's like no I'm I'm gonna stay here it's it's this place starting to feel a bit more like home mm-hmm. and uh, in Vivian's autobiography that he wrote that uh, the students there like almost forced him, forced him to write, which I'm very glad they did. Cause that's how all these details came out about his story and his experience. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Blaylock could barely stand up. And so he's kind of walking almost at like a 45 degree angle yeah. and kind of hobbles away. And that's the last they ever spoke. Mm. You know, Blaylock talks about one of his biggest regrets being that he never provided a way for Vivian to go to school yeah. uh, he communicated that to his wife often that like he should have done that and he's like but how much can you do for a person so you know he's really wrestling with yeah. like you know in the in the 40s or 50s like what are the limits a white man can do to, to help propel a, a gifted black man in the medical field yeah. uh, that doesn't have a, a medical degree and um, yeah it's, it's sad um, you know, I remember, uh, watching the movie after reading the story and reading this article and just like weeping when his, his picture gets hung up. Um, because, you know, it's just like all that recognition that yeah. just wasn't there, didn't seem like it would ever come there. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, it's like, boom, mm-hmm. there you go. And it, it feels like, you know. You know, and this is much less dramatic, but you know how we're just waiting for that well done, good and faithful servant, yeah. and uh, you know can feel like we're just constantly failing, and can feel like we're constantly not um, doing all that we can or should be doing at at any given moment, and just forgetting that like we're not living for the approval of now. Yeah, uh, we're not living for confirmation of of our works now. That there really is a a well done at the end of our race mm-hmm. that we're going to get like, yeah. and, uh, and that, that's like the only recognition that, that really matters. But, um, yes, it's a very, it was a very compelling story. And, um, I, I just don't know why this is the first time I've, this year is the first time I, I heard of him, you know, well, yeah. but yeah, that's great. That's amazing <laughs> story, man. It's an amazing story. A lot of questions come out of it. So I've got one. Uh, I want to 
highlight uh, his name is Henry Osawa Tanner, and uh, he's a painter, um, mostly a painter. Uh, I got to know about him. I was actually reading a book, and they had uh, one of his paintings in the book, and I just thought it was a really interesting painting. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of thought, you know, you know, okay, who's this guy? And I sort of checked into it and. And started reading about him a little bit and just kind of kept going. And I was like, this is a fascinating guy. And then I started looking at more of his art and really loved his art and loved what he was doing. And uh, and then when I got to the story, I thought, your story is as compelling as your art. Hmm. And uh, so the little story is this. He um, born in 1859. Oh, snap. Uh, so born right before the Civil War. Uh, his dad was a free black man, went to school in... Pittsburgh was actually became ultimately um, Benjamin Tanner, uh, one of the key players in the AME Church. He was a bishop in the AME Church in uh, sort of the generation after uh, Richard Allen. So oh Daniel Payne, he's friends with Daniel Payne. He's friends with other like major players. Yeah. So he 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 married a woman who was born a slave and was actually sent. To freedom through the Underground Railroad, uh, so she was a, a, a slave who was free. So they they were free, but they were born. So they lived. It's interesting. He talks about uh, you know his memories. You know, being a little kid during the Civil War, uh, free blacks, but seeing Confederate soldiers like camped outside mm. their 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 house in in Maryland. So like thinking, you know, we could be captured. We could be, you yeah. know, and so. So they, uh, so you kind of got familiar with that, uh, but they moved to Philadelphia partly to kind of get away from um, a lot of that stuff and uh, the war. And um, so in Philadelphia, he's sort of walking through Fairmount Park, uh, just you know, thought about painting. I'd love to paint, and so he started uh, playing around with it. Um, his dad was actually, you know, he wanted me to get him a job, get a job. You know, it's like the classic thing: you can't paint, get a job. Uh, but he had some health issues, and so you know, his parents kind of kind of pivoted and said, well, let's just see what you can do with this. So he enrolled. I think he was the first black student at uh, Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, which is uh, PAFA, which is a significant art school in Philly, first art school in the United States. Um, so he studied there, was actually taught by Thomas Akins, who's a big Philadelphia artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, got into painting, moved to Atlanta, uh, so spent a few years in Atlanta, um, taught at Clark College. So Clark's black black school, part of the, there's like five black universities in, in Atlanta. So Clark is one of them. And uh, so he taught there for several years, North Carolina a little bit and came back, um, but began to experience opposition to him as a painter because he's a black man. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, <laughs> wrestling with that so then he had a patron who said listen let me send you to europe so you can study so if you're really a good painter yeah you yeah. go to europe right <laughs> so uh so they sent him to europe and he got to europe and he didn't experience uh any 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 uh racial yeah. uh discrimination was actually appreciated for his art so he 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 studied in paris and he's he was painting the interesting thing is he uh he was he was painting sort of typical stuff and then he wanted to paint common people things but then somewhere in the 1890s he kind of fell into this pattern of painting biblical pictures 
So that became his primary sort of subject matter. You know, he wanted to paint from the Bible. And so he painted the picture I saw ultimately initially was Daniel in the lion's den. But there are these incredible uh, paintings of biblical scenes um, that he was well known for. Uh, and in Europe, he was he was winning awards for. It. Oh my gosh! So like this is a uh, this is a you know Europe is you, so 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 the, the the crazy thing is that okay at that time you know Christian art would be very popular in mm-hmm. the United States. Yeah. But he couldn't do it there. Do it here. Uh, in Europe, it wasn't very popular, but because it was so good, oh, wow. he was getting rewarded for it. So. Your question? No, I'm just yeah. saying uh, I'm fighting every millennial impulse in me to pull out my phone and look up these pictures. I'm yeah, they're so cool. curious. <laughs> but continue. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to jump here. He did one resurrection of Lazarus. Uh, um, and he went to the Holy Land sometimes just to get sort of, I want to paint mm-hmm. these in, in real life. Um, one of the things he said, let me get a couple, a couple of quotes. Uh, he said... Uh, he said this. Um, watch out. So anyway, let me finish the story. So he painted, became well known in Europe. Yeah. Ultimately, came back to the states. Was well known in the states. Um, uh, so he again, born in the Civil War, uh, was in Europe during World War One. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. Europe just goes nuts, and you know, in, in the wars, place that's made. So he ends up. He, he's too old to fight. So he actually joined the uh, the Red Cross and and drove an ambulance and oh, did things wow. in the war uh, for the Americans. So uh, so he uh, so then he comes back to the states. Um, interesting thing that happens. Uh, he comes back and in the twenties, two weird things happen. He he's revered by young black artists as someone who's been able to make it yeah you know uh but at the same time his art isn't welcomed by the black the harlem renaissance which is the big movement oh my gosh yeah. because it wasn't radical yeah. yes yep. you know because he was committed to a certain stuff so they appreciated the fact that he was a successful painter but they dismissed him because wow. of his subject matter wow. not because of his talent not right. because of his skill because of his subject matter Whoa. Um, and so he really went in, uh, I think he died in, I want to say 1930s. Um, he got married, uh, he married an actually a, a white woman. She was an opera singer he met in Europe and they had one son and, uh, and he ended up living a long life in, in Europe. But, uh, but so that he, wasn't so, even legal then, was it? In Europe it was. In Europe, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they got married yeah. in Europe. And so so he came back to the States, and his deal was he whenever he came back, he 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 felt the oppression yeah. being here. So he had this interesting, he was well regarded, but in a similar way, maybe maybe to Vivian, yeah. We we admire you mm-hmm. from afar. Right. You know, as long as you stay over there, yeah. we're good to go. And uh and so so that was his experience, um, and then also this issue where even in, in the black community art world, he wasn't he wasn't really respected for the subject matter alone. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he did other things too, but that was his primary medium. He, and so so then he died in the 1930s or so, and uh, it was only like in the last 20 or 30 years that his art's been rediscovered. Okay. And it's actually now 
you know, that PAFA just did a, uh, about 10 years ago, they did a really, really big show I went and saw, and you just see it on display, and you think, this guy was just incredibly gifted uh, in the way he painted, because he, he, he's influenced by the, um, by the Impressionist, which is, so, you, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have these, like, a clear, right. you know, you've got these depictions, but they just feel authentic. Um, so what he said, there's three things that I, I wanted to uh, highlight about him yeah. that I find real interesting. Uh, one is I just love his paint. I love his work. Um, but the three things I were, that are worth noting is one is, uh, and I wrote these down just so I would have little notes, sincere and enduring faith in Christ, and it shaped his heart and life. Mm. One, heart and life. one of the things I, I you know, interact with artists a lot of times who are, who are Christians is, it's such a struggle, yes, you know, because yes. it seems like if you do Christian art, it's it's not yes, yep, you know, uh, and the, the the ethic in art a lot of times is to push edges, push boundaries, um, and so he just kind of reconciled himself to that and was like, you know what, no, this is what I'm doing, and he actually said, uh, it's not by accident that I have chosen to be a religious painter. I have no doubt an inheritance of religious feeling, and for this I'm glad. Hmm. But I also have a, have a decided and I hope intelligent religious faith, not due to inheritance, but to my own conviction. So he's talking about, I was raised in the Christian home. I was raised by a bishop. I was raised in a home. He has beautiful, there's a picture, and if you can get put that one up when you get a picture of his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, you know, if you're familiar with Whistler's mother, um, the painting, it's a very famous painting of a woman in a chair. Um, you know, back in the 1800s, very okay. famous. So he did he did one of his mom that was similar style, yes. but it's just it's just beautiful. I mean, yeah. you just go, this is, you know, if you're a mom, this is like your mm-hmm. painting right here. Uh, so uh, so one of the things. So then he goes on to say. He also said, uh, I paint the things I see and believe. I believe my religion. I have chosen the character of my art because it conveys my message and tells what I want to tell my own generation mm-hmm. and leave for the future. And I thought, you Jeez. know, if you're talking about art, I, I, I paint this, I, I write this, I sing this because yeah. I want to speak to my generation mm-hmm. and I want this to be what I'm known for. Yeah. You know, that conviction, that convictional sense of this okay. is why I'm on the earth. I'm an artist, but yeah. I'm on the earth. For something bigger than that, yeah. And he always kept that in mind. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is uh, he had a lifelong struggle to carve out a space for himself as an artist and a Christian and a and a, and a black man. So here he's got. If you ever talk to artists, you'll recognize. Yeah, they you sort of live with this identity yeah. issue as an artist. So you got Christian identity issues, you mm-hmm. got artist identity issues, and you have black identity issues, mm-hmm. and they're all being assaulted mm-hmm. wherever he goes. If he's in the states. Uh, his 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 blackness is an issue. Yeah, his race is an issue. Um, if you're if he's uh, and his art can't be respected, mm-hmm. but he's okay. Just go to, be in the church. Yeah, right. You're okay in the church. Just don't come out of the church. Goes to Europe. Art's respected. Mm-hmm. You know, blackness. Oh, people go with that. Don't want to be a Christian. Yes, can't yeah. be a Christian here. Oof. You know, and so he's he he lived this whole time trying to bring these art faith, race, into alignment in some world where they all made sense. Yeah. And he never found it. Yeah. But he never compromised on any of them. Wow. He didn't back down to the yard, didn't back down on his faith, didn't back down on his 
on on his ethnicity. Yeah. He just lived him out and lived with the tension mm. in that. You know, it's funny, you were talking last we did some episodes on music and you were you were talking about hip hop hip hip hop artists, and I was yes. thinking there's a lot of similarity there. Mm-hmm. Where do we fit? Right. Right? Right? We're artists. Yeah. But we're not accepted by no. the hip hop community. Yeah. Right? And we're Christians, but some people feel like we're not Christian, Christian enough. enough. And we're African American, but it feels like it limits us. Yes. So, you know, when I'm reading about him, I'm thinking that, you know, listening to you yeah. talking about sort of the Christian hip hop artists, I thought, this is. What they're dealing with. Yes. You know, where do, where's my space? Mm-hmm. You know? And so he's out there kind of trying to trying to do it. Yeah. You know, 100 years ago. And uh, and then the final, the third thing was interesting is he, he, he wanted to love his country. Hmm. He never got, he never disdained got his country. Yeah. Never got jaded. He would love it from afar. Oof. I love my country from I'd rather be there. Mm. That's where I think I belong. I can't be there and be all I'm supposed to be. And, but I love it. I love my country. Kept trying to find ways to get back. And even even the, the black community at, at a certain point, he couldn't find a place there because he'd been in Europe too long. Mm-hmm. So, so when he saw the war, he's like, I got to get involved. You know, he's in his 50s at that time. Jeez. And he's like, I can't sit by. Yeah, you know, I got to get involved. And I got I got to get on the right side of this. And so, what can I do? And uh, and he did that. So you, when you read what he said and his reflections, you 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 see a man who is who's reconciled to who he is, and he's reconciled to the fact that he doesn't. There's no world he ultimate fits in, mm. but he's here to make a difference. And ultimately, you know, when, when I think about, you know, I, I think about guys like this as quintessential Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what, you know, I'm going to, and I, I, I use American in what, what I hope is a very hopeful sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, there's values. He, yeah. he, you know, his values, his parents taught him the values. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he lived them out, but they were, you know, he had this sense of this is, this is who I am, and I'm going to do what I can yeah. for my art, going to do what I can for my faith, going to do what I can for my country mm-hmm. in a way that in, has integrity in all three. And, uh, and I just thought, you know, that's compelling to me because uh, you you know, you're talking about Vivian and this guy too. Yeah. You feel like, okay, they're not, they're not just kind of, I'm done with I'm it. done, I'm out. I'm out. I'm, you know, they're not tapping out. They're like, okay, what, what, you know, and they're not going to get where they need to get to, and it's tragic. Yes. It's tragic they don't, and yeah. it's... It's 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 uh, obscene that men like this, women like this, yeah. can't ultimately break through the way you would hope until after the fact. Until after the fact. Um, after they're gone. Yeah. And uh, but the there's a place I think, and this is why I, I was looking forward to talking about this topic is there's a place in our understanding of American heroes. Right. For this kind of person mm-hmm. to be a prominent player, yeah, we have certain iconic types of heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all should necessarily be on the pedestal, but right. there's we have good iconic heroes as well. And I think this kind of I'm going to be resiliently yes. American when America doesn't want me to be American mm. is uh, is a kind of hero yeah. 
that I think I want to know about. Yeah. And and just to be able to see their work, see their art, see you know, see 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 heart surgery. Yeah. See great art. And it's funny you said that because Vivian would actually get into a lot of arguments with his older brother. Yeah. Um, because Vivian would have this uh kind of a composure of you know, I'm going to kind of keep my head low and just work through it and do what I can. And his older brother would be like, you need to stop being grateful for things that are owed to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because his, his brother was a teacher. Yeah. And uh, actually got into this huge uh, case about uh, like a teacher strike because they were underpaying in the inner city. Sure, yeah. And so uh, he fought. Uh, what was the lawyer he got? Um this might be edited. Booker T. Washington. He wasn't a... No. No. What the heck was the guy? Not Marshall. Thurgood Marshall? Yes, it was. It was. Yes. So, okay, yeah. Chadwick so, Boseman, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, Thurgood Marshall actually took his case. Yeah. And they ended up winning. And, um, and then the school fired him. Yeah. After, after uh, his brother won the case. Yeah. And so... Um, there was kind of this conversation that he and his brother had of just like, you know, well, I guess I'm going back to carpentry work. Yeah. Um, but I'm not doing this for myself right now. I'm doing this for people years on down the road for other teachers that are coming up. Yeah. And uh, so they would have these different, not even arguments, mm -hmm. but just conversations about the different ways yeah. that they're fighting for this, yeah. these kind of things. And yeah. and actually, Vivian was was inspired by his brother to kind of be like, they're paying me a janitor's salary like yeah so yeah yeah it's a difference between just kind of sort of benign submission exactly you know how do yeah. i do this and that's what you know that's what that's what uh tanner was dealing with was okay I, i'm not going to just sit back and let it all play out yeah i'm going to be authentically what i'm going to be and i'm not going to define it for me even if i'm not accepted in it mm -hmm. not going to define me he said this like toward the end of his life he said this idea of of not being able to live in the country and, and do what he does. He said, this condition, racism, has driven me out of the country, but still the best friends I have are white Americans. Hmm. And while I cannot sing our national anthem in France, land of liberty, etc., still deep down in my heart, I love it, and I'm sometimes sad that I cannot live where my heart is. Oof. And, uh, mm. and I just think, gosh, that's a, you know, just for me to hear that, I just got to mm -hmm. think, I got to, that's got to fit into my, my thinking somewhere. Yeah. So, mm. so we got to do this again sometime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. New peeps. New people. Yeah. Maybe I'll look up. Yeah, I got. I got a couple. Yeah. I got a couple. So. <laughs> I'll come back with some some Yasuke the Samurai information. <laughs> it's hard to get like solid resources because you know there's a lot of folklore there and things like yeah, that. It's yeah, like, okay, yeah. what what when is it? When is this? <laughs> when is this turning into a, a tale that's told? It's like because I know there's truth here somewhere. Yeah. So I got I got to find that because I was like the the small things I read. I was just like, what in the world yeah. is this? So well, just check Google, man. It's all yeah. true. <laughs> Google, Google Wikipedia, I'm all set. <laughs> Good. Well, that's the episode. What a fun. Excellent.